Hi everyone, I'm Jojo, and this is my very first solo episode for Asian Glow Up, a podcast on culture, career, and community by three Asian American women in our 20s. Today's episode is a really special one because not only do I go into the details of an invisible illness that affected me for five plus years throughout college, cyclic vomiting syndrome, and yes, it's as crazy as it sounds, but I also have an amazing guest named Connie joining me, who not only also suffers from CVS, but lives on the other side of the world in Australia. This is the first time I'm really speaking out about the illness on a public platform, and also the first time I'm ever speaking to someone else who has gone through similar experiences. So I'm very excited for you all to listen in on our discussion on what exactly CVS is, how we were diagnosed, how we found community, and the general struggles behind illnesses that you cannot see physically. Hi, my name's Connie, and I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I'm sorry I'm not Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I'm currently a student. I'm doing my master's and I moved to Melbourne just before one of the strictest lockdowns, I think, in the world. But we're really fortunate that things have kind of settled down over here, unlike everywhere else. So yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) in the thick of it all because I'm in Texas right now and cases cases are skyrocketing and no one's wearing a mask. So yeah, it's definitely better on your side of the world right now. Yeah, yeah we're, we're really lucky, but we know how hard it can be. So not taking anything for granted. So Connie and I actually met on a subreddit for cyclic vomiting syndrome, which feels so random because I am not a huge Redditor. I don't know if that's what you call them. I think that you made a post asking for people for a research paper or something. Yeah, so I just started my master's and part of my master's is communications. So I was doing a project for journalism and I hadn't been doing super well at it because of Mm -hmm. CVS. So I decided it was my last paper. I was going to do something really good, really personal. So I thought I'd tap into people's experiences of CVS. So I just made a post just saying, look, is there anyone out there who has this? Is there anyone else who knows what this is like? Mm -hmm. And I think I got like 20 responses in 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So many people wanted to talk about it. And I think that's what you said to me. You're like, I didn't know there were other people that actually had this. Yeah, I had no idea because when I was looking for resources online, I personally didn't find much. So it was pretty comforting to find a whole community of people who also experienced it. I guess we can go into what is CVS and how long we've experienced symptoms. So I found just like a very simple definition of what CVS is. Feel free to jump in if you have a different thought on it. But what I found was that cyclic vomiting syndrome, also known as CVS, it affects between four to 2,000 adults per 100,000 children. So it's diagnosed less frequently in adults. And for me, an episode can last for a week. It's always exactly seven days, and I actually have been very fortunate and have not had an episode in about two and a half years, but it started in college, literally the first day of school, and lasted all throughout my college years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Look, all my research has shown pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's a very, very vague kind of definition. It's very broad, but it does encompass everything. I think I read somewhere, don't quote me on this, but it was something like CVS can be defined by more than two episodes a year, which like kind of tracks because your average person doesn't vomit unless they've got food poisoning or something like that. 
you know, and an episode doesn't seem to be defined. For me, yeah. it's anywhere between 24 to 48. Oh, well, no, 24, 48 hours. Sometimes it's three days and I'm vomiting every five minutes and then sleeping, vomiting, sleeping, vomiting and barely keeping down fluids. So it's pretty extreme. But if you're experiencing three episodes a year, that's great. But it still apparently falls under that definition. So very broad. Wow. <laughs> I found in my experiences that anytime I even tried to drink water, I could not keep that down. So during every single episode, I end up going to the hospital. Yep. Yeah, that's really common. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people who are going to hospital are getting, you know, a lot of stigma and doctors who yeah. don't understand are looking at you and going, um, is this an eating disorder? Is this alcohol poisoning? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The amount of people who asked me if I had an eating disorder, they almost didn't believe me when I showed up for the fourth time in two years and they didn't know what it was. In your research, did you find like how rare cyclic vomiting syndrome is? Yeah. I I mean, as you said before, like a lot of children seem to have it. I don't even know how big the subreddit is, but... It's not too large. No, it, it's it's quite small. Yeah. But again, Reddit, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many people use Reddit anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know. And I think a lot of people who have it don't know they have it as well. This is all anecdotal, Mm -hmm. but if you throw up, you assume it's something you eat, you go to your doctor, they'll say, oh, you know what, maybe maybe lay off the cheese a little bit. Maybe stop drinking martinis. (laughs) So I don't even know if people are getting diagnosed. I mean, I've had this for five plus years and I'm seeing a specialist on Friday actually for the first time. Good for you. (laughs) So, and I'm, I'm on medication now, but... I actually, when I moved state, I went to my doctor and I said, look, I think I have CVS. And she said, okay, all right. I've kind of vaguely heard of that. What do you want to do about it? And I said, well, I've been on Reddit (laughs) and people say that they take amitriptyline. So can I try that? And she's like, "Mm, okay, I guess so. And so that's how this got moving because I told her what I wanted and mm. finally, I'm getting a little bit of validation. So that's a really, really roundabout way of saying, I don't know how many people have it. Yeah. And even if people do have it, they probably don't know they have it. So yeah. Yeah, it's tricky because in the name, obviously, it's called cyclic vomiting syndrome. And you have to notice a pattern of the cycles reoccurring. So for me, I was misdiagnosed for probably, I think, three years. I didn't go to like a CVS specialist, but I went to a um, gastroenterologist and he actually did an endoscopy on me and he took some samples of my stomach lining. He said all my testing came back perfect. And then I ended up bringing him my medical history and he looked at me, he goes, this is cyclic vomiting syndrome. And I haven't gone to an actual specialist, but just hearing that validation made me feel a lot of relief. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. That's a really important point. Like it really is the absence of anything else. And that's why my GP said, you don't so much as diagnose CVS, you diagnose it as nothing else. (laughs) So you have your endoscopy, you have your gastroscopy, you have Mm -hmm. your allergy testing. And then they say, because they don't know what causes CVS. And this is the thing. It's Yeah, there's no known cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, I mean, people have triggers clearly. And I mean, you said that school... Mm -hmm definitely doesn't help but I mean you know yeah if you ask someone else their triggers could be completely different so yeah speaking of triggers what have some of your triggers been 
the only triggers that seem to be there for me are psychological triggers. So mm. high stress situations definitely don't help. My episode started becoming really regular and really intense when I got my first job and I got promoted to manager within a couple of months and I was so not ready for that. So that definitely tipped me over the edge. But the big one's alcohol, yeah, <laughs> which is not fun being an Australian and not being able to drink. <laughs> so I thought it was alcohol poisoning the first time I ended up um, in hospital. Yeah, I thought I had alcohol yeah. poisoning and they were like, oh, you need to stop being such an alcoholic, <laughs> Connie. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> It's actually crazy. Mine, my very first episode was actually agnostic of alcohol or anything else, maybe stress, but it was my first day of college, university, and I had just moved into my dorm. And the very next day, I was so nauseous and just couldn't keep anything down. So my parents had to actually come pick me up from school. And we didn't know what it was. So I thought I just had like a stomach bug or something. But then a few weeks into my semester, I was drinking a lot because it was, you know, my first semester of college and I thought I got alcohol poisoning. I was just told to stop drinking. But yeah, alcohol, stress. I've also heard that happy stress can also be a trigger. And one of my worst episodes actually was my partner and I went on a vacation to Los Angeles and I felt a little sick on the plane ride, but I didn't think much of it because I hadn't had too many episodes before. And the second we landed, I was really not feeling good. And we made it all the way to our Airbnb when I just really couldn't, couldn't even stand. So we had to book the next flight out. But a really weird thing I noticed about myself is that I get very comforted from taking a warm bath. So I don't know if that is the same for you. Yeah, I have a hot water bottle or a wheat bag or something on my stomach. I'm not entirely mm. sure it works, but my partner, he turns into like a nurse. He's <laughs> all like shuffling around and I'll get you some hot water and I'll get you a hot water bottle. And I don't know if it's just the placebo of him being like a little nanny. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, people seem to get tipped over the edge when they get overwhelmed and whether that's a happy or a sad emotion. That's, yeah. Yeah, it really sucks because <laughs> most people identify negative stresses. I mean, it can cause health problems in the healthiest person, but it exactly. sucks when it's because you're happy. <laughs> that's like, that's yeah. really bad. <laughs> Another example of a happy trigger for me was my friend's wedding. I was at her wedding and I thought it could be food poisoning, but at that point I had episodes for maybe two and a half years. So I figured it was something cyclic. I remember I was eating crab cakes and I felt like I was getting a little sick and then it was my friend's wedding. So obviously I was drinking some alcohol. And then that night when I went home, I had to go to the hospital because it was an episode. And I think that was another instance of happy stress. You said that you've had CVS for maybe five and a half years. Yeah, it must be so weird calling it CVS because don't you guys have like a pharmacy chain? <laughs> we do. Yeah, we do. So anytime I mention it to anyone who's American, they're like, are you talking about the, the pharmacy, the grocery place? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm talking about cyclic vomiting syndrome because when you say it for what it is, like the entire name, it just sounds so dramatic, but... Yes. I mean, it is. Yep. It is dramatic. Yeah. So five plus years. When I first got it, it was really spaced out. The episodes weren't nearly as dramatic. In fact, mm. I want to say I had a lot of nausea, but it didn't actually eventuate in vomiting. And that's another thing. Some people vomit, some people just have nausea. So I don't actually remember because I didn't put it together and think there was a pattern until I went and saw 
my GP after ending up in hospital and it kind of came up. It was one of those things, but I just never did all the testing or everything until the beginning of last year, I started my master's and it just, it was so bad. And that's when I was like, I need to do something about it because I'd moved to Melbourne from Hobart, Tasmania. And I was here for a month and my partner was stuck in Hobart and we've been together for nine years. So (laughs) being without him for the first time in a few years was like, oh, okay, this is, this is hard. Was that a trigger? I think so. Cause I was staying in an Airbnb and then in March, <laughs> the pandemic really hit Australia. And so mm-hmm. things were shutting down and I was having episodes daily Oh no! Um, for almost that entire month because I was just like so anxious. And so I went back home and I hunkered down, finished my semester. And then when we finally did make the move, I was like, I need to do this. I can't have a job. I can't study. I'm like absolutely crippled by this. And I think I've got it under control now. It's been about two months. So fingers crossed, touch wood. Oh, that's so tough. Were you misdiagnosed or did you kind of do your own research and realize it was CVS? My GP was really reluctant to diagnose anything, but there was definite indicators that it was an eating disorder. Which is which is hard. I mean, I think I, speaking to some of these people on Reddit, it seems like CVS can cause eating disorders mm. because there's so much anxiety around food, eating, you know, they're not separate issues. In fact, there's actually a lot of overlap. So it's really common for people to walk into a doctor's surgery and say, yeah, I'm vomiting all the time and then go, oh, okay, that sounds like an eating disorder. You know what? It actually might be. <laughs> it might be both. And for a lot of people, CVS can be caused by gastroenterological issues, or it might be psychological, you know, talking about stress being a trigger. So it's it's really hard to distinguish between the two. I was looking on the subreddit and I saw there was a neuroscientist and he has suffered with cyclic vomiting syndrome for 40 years. And it's just crazy because that's almost double my life. And I can't imagine having to deal with this for that long. Yeah, I think I was reading, I think it was on the Perth and they seem to be the foremost authority in Australia on CVS. Mm-hmm. And they seem to say that most people experienced it for about seven years and then they might have symptoms throughout the rest of their life. Being a part of this subreddit has been like going on a journey. You know, when I started out reading posts about a year ago, there were people who were like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do with my mm-hmm. life. This is awful too. Now they're like, oh, I'm actually on medication that's managing it or someone actually acknowledges that it's an issue instead of going, you're an alcoholic, go home, you know. So stuff's happening, stuff's happening. And the the word is out there. People are acknowledging that this is an issue. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot more medical professionals who know what to do with it when you come in and you say, this is what I've got, help me. Yeah. (laughs) The first resource I found when I first thought I had CBS was actually a statement from, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but Dr. Bailey in real life, I forget her name, but her daughter, I believe, has CVS. So she has been trying to bring awareness to the disorder. I don't even know if you can consider it disorder. What do you call CVS? I guess it says syndrome. Yeah, syndrome. But it's not genetic from what I can tell. So I'm 24. So I think that's about how long it's been acknowledged as a thing, you know, globally. So we don't really know, to be honest, you know, like who knows if I have kids, they might have it. We actually can't say what it is and what it isn't. It's just too new. Yeah, there's not enough history to to track it, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it feels like we're part of something. I mean, you know, if you'd spoken to me a few months ago, I'd be all doom and gloom about this, but it's actually, it's kind of exciting. It's, you know, it's like being a part of something new and something evolving, yeah. you know, like I can almost see how academics and doctors are like, when you walk into their surgery or their office, they brighten up, they perk up and they go, oh yeah, let's talk about CBS. I can kind of understand why, because it's such an emerging thing. So <laughs> maybe we can look at it this way. We're part of something new. Yeah. No, I really like that, that mindset that you're bringing. Because for 2020, I started off my year with kind of like a theme or a word to center myself around, and I chose gratitude. So I kind of looked at cyclic vomiting syndrome from a lens of gratitude or glass half full as well, just as you stated. And that's why I started reaching out to people on the CVS subreddit, because even just talking to, to you, you're my first person I've ever talked to who also has the syndrome, but it feels validating. It feels like I'm not as alone because literally yeah. no one that I know has ever heard of it before me. It's easy to feel lonely when you have this, but finding yeah. community I think is really helpful. Yeah, it, it's incredible. I briefly mentioned one of the people I interviewed saying that their friends and their family had just kind of fallen off mm -hmm. and it was because they didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, there was one person in this person's life who couldn't recognize that it was an issue. It's like, you know what, just <laughs> you know, gulp it back, gulp back the nausea, go to work, yeah. you know, stop moping around the house being dramatic all the time. But then they just, then they had other people in their life who just didn't understand that when an episode is so bad, you can't even look at a screen to message someone and be like, sorry, bailing on brunch because I've got this you can't even do that like after I throw up so hard I literally fall asleep then I wake up fall asleep wake up fall asleep yeah so you're not in a place to be rearranging plans with people and the most understanding person in the world can only be rebuffed so many yeah. times before they say you know what I haven't seen you in a year <laughs> so yeah I've been really lucky how have people in your life responded to CVS the first episode it was kind of intense. Obviously, it felt like a bigger deal than it does during your seventh episode. But I had friends call my mom, which is almost like a last resort asking if I'm alive, because usually I'm super responsive. But when I'm sick, I don't even check my phone. I have no want to connect with anyone other than my caretaker yeah. in the moment. And the first time I was in the hospital, even I was actually very grateful because I was met with a lot of compassion. I had a lot of visitors in the hospital, even though I that was the last thing I wanted in the moment. Looking back, it was really nice. I had friends sending me cards. And it's not really something that I mention openly to people that I meet now, especially because I haven't had an episode in about two and a half years. But yeah, I guess that's just a long way to answer your question. I've always been supported. My partner, he has always been great and understanding and he always jokes with me. If something exciting is coming up, he'll say, don't get too excited because we don't want to trigger an episode. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of just become a part of me. And yeah, people have been pretty supportive in my life. Yeah, yeah. It has to be like that. I mean, I've also been really fortunate and my partner's like my receptionist. <laughs> He's actually got to a point where if I'm having an episode I'll just say the person's name. I'll be like, Karen. And he'll be like, oh, okay, cool. And he'll go to my messenger and he'll be like, Connie's down or something oh. like that. You know? And they know. But it's really narrowed down who counts and who doesn't, yes, I guess. Yes. You know, not, not that someone who can't understand isn't worth being a friend, but like when you're incapacitated so often, it's like 
Do I have time for this Mm. relationship? Do I have the energy? If they're not being understanding, at least slightly empathetic, then, you know, I just can't. I can't right now. Maybe in five years' time, (laughs) if I miraculously stop having these episodes, we can be friends. But right now, I just don't have it in me, you know? If they're not worth it during an episode, they're not worth it outside of an episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Although, you know, (laughs) being an adult and people having jobs and my God, some of my friends are starting to have kids. Like, what? Wow. (laughs) You know, like, I get it. Like, sometimes it's just if that one weekend that they have free, Mm. I'm out again. I totally get it. You know, like, it's hard to be friends with someone that has issues of any kind, you know. Um, So it's not that I don't understand on their side either. I work full time and I've noticed when I was applying for jobs, they would ask you, do you have a disability? And I sometimes question, you know, does this count as a disability? Would I answer yes to that question? Oh, God. Yeah. I think it counts as a disability, but the process of getting diagnosed is so extreme. I know that there's a couple of CVS specialists in the US. They keep talking about, I think there's one in California. We don't have anyone here. I'm seeing a gastroenterologist on Friday. It's not a CVS person. They know what CVS is and she's pretty sure that this person will diagnose knows me. I mean, I'm on medication for CVS as it is. So, yeah. you know, I'm close to getting diagnosed as possible. But I mean, we have really good like welfare over here, for instance. Our welfare system is called Centrelink. If you needed a disability pension, for instance, good luck jumping through all those hoops and getting that diagnosis. Mm. I just, I can't see it happening. Like we've got these horror stories about people who are in a wheelchair who have been diagnosed with cancer and they're on chemo, not qualifying for welfare. So imagine saying, I vomit once a month, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at risk of getting political, like our government is currently is quite conservative and so they're making it as hard as possible to qualify for welfare. So yeah, again, really long roundabout way of saying I think it would be amazing and I think it would be great, but it's just way too varied. It is. At what point do you say you need extra help? Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you have a full-time job, having to take a day a month off over here, it's not so bad because we have really good workplace protection laws. But I know that there are some jobs in the US like if you're a server or something like that, mm-hmm. good luck getting time off sick without getting fired, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like it's just, and th- that sounds like I'm shade at the US, but... <laughs> no, keep throwing the shade. <laughs> There's a lot that needs to be fixed over here. <laughs> you're not allowed to fire someone over here, you know, like unless they steal cash from the till or something like that. Yeah. You can't fire someone because they take too many sick days, but it can prevent you from getting jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I apply for jobs, I don't say I have CVS, mm-hmm. especially since I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't had symptoms in a little while. So yeah. I don't feel like I'm being too dishonest. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, on the note of things in America that need fixing, I've had episodes for four years all throughout college and my medical bills were more than my school tuition. My God. <laughs> Yeah, I just can't even comprehend that. There are plenty of problems in Australia, but going to going to the emergency is free for us. <laughs> I just yeah, can't even. Yeah, not for us. No, I mean, isn't it like twenty grand to have a baby or something like that? It's just a trip in a in an ambulance. It's I believe six grand. My God. Yeah. So anytime I'm sick, my parents drive me. No matter how long it'll take, it's not worth the six thousand dollars. I mean, I don't even go to the hospital when I'm having an episode unless it's over five days, which, believe me, Mm. has happened. 
but I don't go just because it's stressful and at the moment you have to be on your own. So you might be sitting in the waiting room for four or five hours and when you're vomiting yeah. everywhere, that's not class. <laughs> that's it's not, not a good time. So I, I avoid it anyway, but that's incredible to me. And I, I mean, our, our medication is subsidized as well. So I'm on two medications. I'm on Ondansetron, which is... I was on that as well. Apparently it's given to chemo patients to help them keep oh. food down, which sounds really dramatic. That does. <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> so I take that when I'm having an episode, but then I take amitriptyline every day. Wow. So, and I think that's like $6 for two months supply. So Okay, yeah, it's not yeah. too bad. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if you've got CVS, maybe move to Melbourne. That's maybe Australia. Maybe um, that's the takeaway. <laughs> but there's no specialist there. <laughs> that's exactly right. So yeah, so look, pros and cons. We're the same age and it sounds like our symptoms began around the same time. Yeah. Did you ever have to miss school? And if so, how did your professors react? When I went to university, my last year of undergrad was pretty bad, but I didn't tell anyone. I mm. Firstly, I didn't want to do the whole conversation. My undergraduate was an arts degree, so there's a lot less contact hours and there's a lot more okay. independent study. So I could miss my maximum amount of classes and you get pretty good at suppressing your gag reflex as well. So, um, <laughs> so if I knew an episode was coming up, I would go home. So I spent a lot of time at home. When yeah. you think about university or college, you think about, you know, a lot of time on campus, studying in the library, mm -hmm. hanging out with your friends. And first year, <laughs> we had a bar on campus, so we'd go have a glass of wine before going to class. So look, that's the most wild it got for me. But I, I didn't miss too much time. But then when I got to my master's and my first semester, it went online a month in because of COVID. I think I got my first extension for an assignment with journalism. I was actually almost failing because I was just wow. too proud to admit it, too proud, too proud. And then it got to my last assignment and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the lid off and I'm going to let them see what's inside and yeah. I was really honest and I got a really good grade for it so That's great. <laughs> I salvaged that semester I say to anyone who has CVS or any invisible illness like I know it's a huge problem with a lot of different stuff like tell people tell people that you're struggling with this it's it's a real thing okay <laughs> you're allowed to have a tough time it's fine you know so I I totally agree <laughs> the only time I ever had to pull the I'm sick card in school was the second episode I ever had and I was literally sitting in the emergency room and I realized oh I'm gonna have to miss a few days of school so I reached out to the professor and I sent him an email with the typo instead of I've been emitted to the hospital I said admitted and he responded saying, anytime you have a typo, your argument or statement is invalidated. Oh, my God. Oh so my God. I was pretty traumatized after that. But yeah, that's the only really negative experience I've ever had with sharing what was going on. You're calling it an invisible illness is so powerful because, you know, physically you can't see anything wrong. And even, like I said, my endoscopy results were perfect. So the fact that you called it invisible illness, I think really stuck out to me. Yeah. And I, and I called it that as well, because being sick and being at school online, I was spending a lot of time online and there was a lot cropping up on Reddit about people who had illnesses 
that meant that they couldn't stand up for long times on public transport and people would give them the stink eye because they'd be like, okay, you're a 20-year-old man. Why are you sitting in the disabled Mm. spot on the train or subway or whatever? And, And there was a great one I saw about a woman who was a disabled veteran but she had PTSD, mm. so she was parking in the disabled spot and someone graffitied her car or something like that. So she came oh, no. out and they were just like, you know, veterans are so important. You can't like pretend to be one or whatever. And it's just like, Go oh, my gosh, stuffed, you know. Um, wow. So, yeah. So I was just like, that's a bit disgusting. Why don't we just maybe assume that people are doing the right thing? And you know what? Yeah. If you want to sit in the disabled spot, and you're not disabled, then I think you're going to probably lose more by creating a scene when you don't know what their life is and what their story is. And so much goes on behind closed doors. I mean, who with CVS is puking their guts out on the street? You know, like we're at home. Hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and we try and hide it because it's not a sexy illness. Let's be real. (laughs) During my episodes, I always start my period. So. It was actually a big problem because at one point I was having episodes, I think, twice a year. And every time the period would come and last for like a month because I guess my hormones were just insane. It was just not pretty because not only was my period starting, I was having to go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's interesting because I think most people who have CVS do seem to be women. Mm. And it seems to start between, I think, 10 to 15 years. It seems to be the window. So a lot of people, especially in the sub, are saying like they're triggered by their period, by coffee, by cheese, chocolate, basically rich food that's amazing. <laughs> Anything great in life, <laughs> even <laughs> happiness. <laughs> uh, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> As I said, like there's so many triggers for people. And I mean, mine doesn't seem to be related to my menstrual cycle, but I can tell you taking oral contraceptives yeah, when it's impossible. vomit all the time means that I'm constantly not taking a pill yeah. and oh my god so yeah it's really interesting to see that they're linked for you so how would you say that CVS affects mm. you today because you mentioned that you have been episode free for only two and a half weeks I believe months yeah yep Oh, two and a half months. Okay, that's great. No, God, I would not be so excited if that was the case. I just, I'm expecting it any day now. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's still an enigma and I want to get to the bottom of it because again, okay, two and a half months is better than two and a half weeks, but Mm -hmm. for some people that's normal. They still have episodes every couple of months. So I'm not going to say I'm cured. I'm not going to say it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm not working right now. So I'm very conscious of that. I'm at home. I'm job hunting, which is definitely stressful, especially in a pandemic. (laughs) But I don't have as much on my plate. And I know that with my last job, I worked for an animal shelter doing admin. And it was such a stressful, highly emotionally charged job. Yeah, I loved it. It was fulfilling. But it started off well. It was going good. And then we had this major meeting and I ran for the bathroom and I didn't come out the whole time. And then my partner arrived in his car with a sick bag. I would sometimes pull up at lights and uh, over the side. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, the longest jobs that I've had, it started off really well. And toward the end, obviously, as it was getting more stressful, I was throwing up. I'm going to be totally transparent about the fact that I've had therapy recently and I was taught a lot of coping mechanisms for stress Mm -hmm. so hopefully I'll take that on board when I get my next job I I think there's again there's a lot of stigma about 
emotional well-being like if you're a sports person and you go to the physio and you learn exercises so that your muscles don't give out that's totally accepted by society but if you go to therapy and say I want to fix my brain people are like there's something wrong with you you know exactly um, so yeah I don't I don't know if CVS is psychological I recommend seeing a therapist because learning coping strategies can probably help you be more functional yeah I think CVS is completely physical and psychological as well. So I also started therapy. It wasn't necessarily because of CVS, but I do think just holistically, it does not hurt and it's only helped me. So completely agree with everything you just mentioned. Do you think that having CVS makes you worried about the future or just what you're currently doing or if you make plans with people? Yeah, definitely. I worry about big events. My partner and I have been engaged for too long, (laughs) considering we're young. Um, (laughs) We thought, you know, we've been together for a really long time, we should do this. And then about a month later, I was like, I don't actually want to get married. I'm 21. I'm not like ready for this. (laughs) Um, Now I would like to. I think think I'm ready. You've been engaged for three years? Yep. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> you know, I think that 24 is better than 21 and he's kind of on the same page. He's like, he's the most laid back person ever. <laughs> you know, my nurse, my receptionist. Um, yeah, your receptionist. He's going along with the flow here. So he's like, you know what, whenever you're ready, I'm down to clown, whatever, we'll get married. <laughs> That's a big thing. I'm so worried about like most people drink at their wedding, you know, you've got to have your champagne and exactly and, and loud noises are a big one, being overwhelmed, large spaces. It's mm. worse since COVID because you spend all your time at home in your pajamas and then go out into the city and there's people and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I haven't been to a nightclub in a couple of years mm-hmm. and I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink a lot, but it's such a big part of our culture over here it's not the same but you know that that's part of also accepting yourself and your parameters and your limits I can do one beer but then it'll be apple juice for the rest of the night and I'm okay with that but they're not big things in the scheme of things how do you think it's affecting your future and what do you think it changes for you so I actually had very similar realizations when it comes to the whole social aspect I work in advertising and I don't know how much you know about advertising, but they drink a lot. Before COVID, there was a lot of um, happy hours, a lot of extravagant work parties. It's just a part of the culture. You work hard, you play hard. So when I started my first internship in New York City, you're kind of expected to go to all the happy hours to network. And for me, I wanted to get hired full time. So I figured I have to go hang out with everyone and get to know everyone. And of course, what do you do at happy hour? You drink. I remember actually one director of strategy. I'm not going to mention what company or his name, but he looked at me one night and he goes, if you take this shot, I will hire you full time. And thinking back on it, that is a little problematic. And I didn't even want to work there, I realized. But in the moment, I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I'll take a shot with the director of strategy. But you know, that was a part of the culture and the, the way that I was going to get a job, apparently. So there's definitely a lot of <laughs> pressure in trying to fit in. And I've learned to speak up for myself as well. I'll try not to pull the I have a condition called CVS card. But sometimes I will say, no, I'm just I really don't want to have another drink. I've learned to be more vocal in doing what's right for me. But I found that I was really worried to travel after my episode in Los Angeles, because when I mentioned that we got on a flight back home immediately, 
I was having an episode the entire time on the plane and it was not fun. I was vomiting, I think every 30 minutes and I tried to get up and go to the bathroom to do it, but sometimes I wouldn't be able to make it. I was on an open plane just vomiting and the people around me ended up being very understanding. And one woman next to me kept praying for me as well, which I thought was um, <laughs> funny, but it was sweet. So I think my biggest concern is just making plans to travel or go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. God, that's so sad, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's made me really, really empathetic to other people. Yeah. Like I have other issues where loud noises can give me vertigo. Mm. Um, guys, I'm afraid of balloons. <laughs> I hate balloons. Um, I kind of had to have a moratorium on going to kids' birthday parties because they fill me with dread. <laughs> And I saw Wonder Woman before it came out in the cinema and the noises would turn up so loud in the cinema. It really, it messed uh -huh. me up. <laughs> but, you know, like it's made me really attuned to other people. I don't know if that person on the plane next to me has PTSD or maybe they're afraid of flying. Yeah. You know, like, again, it's that invisible thing. Like you just can't assume that you know what's going on in someone's life. Exactly. And I'm not I'm not a saint. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but it, it does make me a little bit more patient with people. A little bit. <laughs> I get road rage. <laughs> but everyone's got something different going on and it's just so varied. Two years, that's good. <laughs> you're doing you're on a good run. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's funny because I haven't really been doing anything differently. I haven't even been taking medication. And I would say I'm probably under more stress now mm. than I was in university. So not sure what's really going on with me because again there's no cause there's no known cure for CVS but yeah that's why I'm just kind of bracing myself for it to happen again just thinking now like that's a little bit of a difficulty with it as well like so many people that are talking about it on medication they've just stopped having the episodes you know they're on the other end so it's really hard yeah. to get an accurate picture because even talking about when it started like I actually don't even remember my first doctor's appointment about it like I just don't it's like it was like it happened <laughs> before 2020 who knows <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's it's a really hard thing to talk about yeah I can't tell you how many episodes I've had yeah either. and it's hard to record as well like I keep a diary and I've just realized in the last 12 months I get really bad shaking preceding an episode my hands will mm. start trembling something crazy and then I'll go weak it's like I'm a puppet on a string and someone just relax the tension and I just suddenly have no control over my limbs but the problem oh, wow. is is that that can happen with hunger as well so you mm. know that feeling of like maybe skipping breakfast and it's lunchtime and you're in a meeting and you're like oh god I have nothing left I feel so dead it, it's yeah. that kind of feeling so sometimes I don't know whether I'm hungry or if I've got nausea so I'll scarf down some food and then eh, you know <laughs> it all comes up less than an hour later so it does it causes a lot of anxiety about food yeah. <laughs> and I've seen myself picking up something to eat and going how's this going to come out? Is this going to be really, is this going to choke me to death? Is it really spicy? <laughs> and that one time I had shaking, I grabbed a tuna sushi roll. Um, that was not fun. <laughs> that was not fun at all. So um, yeah, guys, don't, don't do sushi <laughs> when you're nauseous. I would say stay away from weirdly colored foods. Like I remember I was drinking red Gatorade and yes, I thought I was throwing yes. blood. <laughs> and that's the thing for a lot of people with CVS is that at the end of an episode, they sometimes like tear something in their throat or like that sounds really dramatic. But Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You just reminded me. See, I like, I block everything out that's negative in my life. I had 
a tear in my esophagus from vomiting so much and all the acid. I was in the emergency room in my last episode two years ago. They told me if you throw up one more time, something really bad is going to happen and we're going to have to go in and do surgery. So I tried so hard to not vomit again and I worked. They gave me a lot of anti-nausea medication, but I totally completely forgot that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why having things that aren't brightly red (laughs) is good because you need to be able to see, (laughs) you know, like as gross as it is, you have to be looking at what you're throwing up and keeping an eye on it. I think that my main takeaway would just be it's really hard to put into words because it's so broad and so varied and it's really good to look at someone else's experience because it's so different. And that was what my research was all about, is about how it affects people and their lives. And there are people out there who have these experiences. So I think we just need to be more transparent Mm -hmm. and more open about our struggles. Because you know what? If you shout into the void, someone actually might answer. It's insane. And that's what's happened to us. Yeah, someone on the other side (laughs) of the world. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very insane how our experiences are so different, but there's so much overlap. And we are on opposite sides of the world right now. So it's almost frightening, but also very comforting at the same time. It's a bit of both. So um, yeah, yeah, I I feel incredibly privileged to have had this little insight into other people's experiences. And yeah, as you said, like it's comforting, but it's also mind blowing. And I feel like it's a privilege. Thank you for opening up to me. It's it's a hard thing to talk about, but once you get going, (laughs) there's a lot to tell. So Yeah, thank you so much for just taking the time to talk to me about this. Like I said, there's really not too many resources out there. So, you know, for anyone listening to this, go read Connie's article. I haven't read it myself yet, but I'm sure it's filled with some amazing anecdotes from 12 other people who suffer from this (laughs) syndrome. Yeah, I'll have to pop it up on Reddit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's, what's the subreddit called? I think it's r slash cyclical vomiting. Yeah. Yeah, I can can pop it up there. Look, it's not mind-blowing, guys. It's not um, crazy, (laughs) but it's just a little snapshot into the world of some other people having similar issues. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on cyclic vomiting syndrome. It was really nice getting to sit down and talk with another person who has gone through something similar and to know I'm not alone after nearly six years. I hope this episode has helped broaden your understanding of invisible illnesses and I know I'm definitely going to be more aware and understanding of others who may be going through things that can't be physically seen. If you think or know you have CVS or your own invisible illness and want to share or just connect, feel free to DM us at Pod on Instagram. We post a new episode every Tuesday. See you next week.